1: we yeah. Welcome to the show, the Friday afternoon edition. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And as the announcer said, this is the word to stand up for life. A program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, life questions, anything and everything that's on your heart and mind. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, area you can call toll free at 877630kslr that's 63057 You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com where you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app just at the call now banner at the top of your screen and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, we've got a busy weekend. I hope that's the case with you as well. Um, Get to church offer your body as a living sacrifice to jesus before going and just see what he might use you to be able to do as for us tonight i'm going to be teaching in revelation chapter two the church at pergamum if you have a king james it's pergamos Um, uh, All day the Lord has been dealing with my heart on this. I I really believe we could call it to the church in San Antonio, Texas, or we could say to the church in any city in this country, because I believe with all of my heart that uh, the same forces that were powerful, sort of the power behind the power in Pergamum, uh, are the forces that are at work uh, in the world that we live in right now. So that's tonight, one of Jesus' seven letters to the seven churches. I'm going to be continuing uh, my teaching on the spiritual gifts, the individual spiritual gifts, on Sunday out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Wherever it is you're going and whatever it is you're doing, um, just go to church with an open heart. Let God speak to you. You know, in all of the seven letters, Jesus says, He or she, I would add, who has an ear to hear, let him or let her hear. Um, Open your heart, open your ears spiritually, let the Spirit of God speak to you, and I pray that you will leave church radically different than you arrived. That's how powerfully God wants to work, that's the kind of power that I've been talking about on this program now for a couple of weeks that the Lord has been speaking to my heart to expect. Let the Spirit of God change you, and everybody will know, and in these last days, you'll be used by the Lord. Okay, well, let's get to some questions while we await your phone calls. I would really enjoy ending the week with lots of your phone calls today. So if you are able, please pick up the phone. The first question is from William, and he says, Pastor on what is meant by imputed righteousness? Um, William, the simple explanation is it's a righteousness not of our own, but it's a righteousness of... Given to us, I almost said a righteousness borrowed. We, in fact, have borrowed it from Christ, but He doesn't expect repayment. He gave it to us. Second Corinthians 5:21 says, "He who knew no sin became sin." Did it for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And William, all that means is that Jesus became on the cross at Calvary. He became you and me, our sin. It doesn't mean that he just paid for the sins of the world. He became that sin. That's hard for us to to imagine, but the perfect one, who never once sinned. Not the letter of the law, not the spirit behind the letter of the law, which Jesus sort of raised the stakes on. Not one sin, and yet my filth, and I I always personalize this William My filth, the worst things that I ever did, Jesus became those things so he could die in my place. So in the transaction and in second Corinthians five twenty one, the the cross is a business deal. That's why Jesus cried out, It is finished and gave up his spirit. The debt has been paid. On that cross, I became perfect, and all I had to do was give Jesus willfully, eagerly. And by faith give my sin to him. So imputed righteousness, it's a borrowed righteousness, but it's a righteousness that we don't have to pay back because we can't. He gave it to us. I think sometimes, William, you know, people think that Christians think they're better than the rest of us because they're the only ones going to heaven. It's not that at all. Real Christians have recognized that were worse than other people. The Apostle Paul even called himself the chief of all sinners, the worst of the worst. Now, I don't think he's accurate because I know how I lived my life. But Jesus, because I recognized my desperate condition, Jesus took it and he offered me his perfection. And that's pretty good. We Christians aren't better than anybody. We know more than anybody that we don't deserve heaven. But that's what grace is all about. It's a free gift from God. So William, I hope that makes sense to you, but that's all it that is. Imputed righteousness is simply a, uh, a statement that uh, indicates that you and I, no matter what we've done, we can be perfect by the Lord. And when Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, he said, blessed, the word is happy because we have to be poor enough in spirit to recognize the absolute destitute nature of our condition apart from Christ. Good question, William. Thank you very, very much. Mark wants to know, was Jesus forced to endure suffering in hell for three days? And if so, why? Uh, Mark, you've been listening to, it sounds like you've been listening to some classic heretical prosperity theory yes Jesus had to go into hell and be uh, and endure suffering uh, before emerging victorious as the first born again Christian that's not true no so that's just false doctrine and it's bad Jesus when he went into the center of the earth he preached victory he descended into lower parts of the earth, the abuso in Greek, the abyss, we call it, or some people call it Hades, some people call it uh, Abraham's bosom or or paradise. Um, but he he descended to set the captives free. And when he went down in the three days or in the time between his death, giving up the spirit and his resurrection from the dead, he went into the center of the earth and set the captives free. And what he did was he proclaimed victory. I'm here. I'm here. You know, I always think, Mark, about, uh, about the, the scene in paradise. We know from Luke chapter 16 that the people in Abraham's bosom or paradise were conscious. They were, it was a great place, hence the name paradise. We also know that on the other side of the gulch was a place of torment. And they, too, were aware of things that were going on in paradise. So when Jesus descended in lower parts of the earth, now I personally believe, and there's no way to, to, to prove this, but I believe that when Jesus went, the the, the, the light of God, the, the the power of God, I believe the shaking would have been uh, unbearable. And the, 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 the power of God, as it went down, everybody would have known something was happening, and then Jesus shows up, and he leads those in paradise those who were held captive they couldn't go to heaven yet I think he led them into the presence of his father and I think as he did it he proclaimed victory to those who were in the place of torment so good question, thanks Mark I hope that answers your question let's go to my friend Tanya on line 1 Tanya, thanks for calling, you're on the air
3: Hi Papa how's everything going?
1: Going well, Tanya. Thank you. How about you?
3: Good, good. Everything's well. I think I told you when we were on vacation um, that we're studying Mark, the book of Mark, as a family. Mm-hmm. And one question, um, as you notice, it talks a lot about demon possession and Jesus casting out demons. And one question that was floating around uh, the other night was, in particularly Mark chapter 5, um, when the um, legions, the legion of yeah, demons, and they were cast out into the pigs. So it brought the question up of, and I don't want to focus really much on, on, on Satan and his minions, but are they just kind of spirits floating around? And, and when they fell, when the pigs went over the uh, the ledge, did they? Th- those spirits are gone as well, or did they just kind of go... I know they don't like to be disembodied, but do they go and just mm-hmm. find somewhere else to, to acquire? I mean, it was a question that I really didn't have an answer. I thought, well, let, let me ask Pastor Ron. He may be able <laughs> to shed some light on. And like I said, we don't want to focus too much on that. But that was just the yeah. question was, when the pigs went over the ledge, did they die too?
1: Yeah, the, the pigs died. That, that much is clear. In fact, the people in the, in the garrisons... They came back and ran Jesus away, and the reason they ran him away is because he was messing with their money. I mean, that was their their economy, and so get out of here, you go. So the pigs clearly died. Now, the other questions are harder to pin down, uh, Tanya, because uh, we know that, that demons are spirits, they're evil spirits. And we know they float in the air because we were told they don't like to be disembodied. Jesus said, "When one is cast out, then they go and find seven other more powerful than itself and come back to the original host if they find that that place is clean. In other words, if the spirit of God is not there." Um, but we don't really know um, um, why they want, why they don't like to be disembodied. We don't know. Uh, what happens to them other than those who are out floating around, disembodied, uh, hate that experience, and they, they're always looking for a host. And uh, whoever this man Legion was, who was, by the way, a New Testament hero, um, he, he was uh, obviously a, a man that was a host for as many as 2,000 of these demons. So we don't know what happens to them. Now, relative to the pigs, they killed themselves, or the, the spirits Cause them to kill themselves uh, but but that didn 't mean the demons were 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 killed. so what happened to those demons, where they went we don 't have any idea, and unfortunately, this is one of the areas, and maybe it 's fortunate because jesus doesn 't give us all this information but but uh, unfortunately, the bible doesn 't really tell us. Um, much about the demonic world. Daniel chapter 9 and 10, especially chapter 10, gives us a little bit of insight into the goings-on behind the scenes in the spirit world, the spiritual battles that go on between the good angels and the evil angels, the fallen angels. But beyond that, Tanya, we just don't know. The pigs died, that we know. And in fact, I believe, and I'm sure you've heard me say this before, that the reason Jesus permitted them to, to be uh, cast into the into the herd of swine was that Jesus was giving an illustration to his followers. This is the devil's purpose to rob, to steal, and kill uh that that's the devil's purpose, and that was just a living action sermon illustration of that principle. so I'm sorry, I can't give you any more than that. We just don't know when there's not any specific answers. all right, thank you,
3: Papa. Thank you. I appreciate you mm-hmm.
1: thank you, Tanya. God bless. Three four zero ninety five eighty five 9585 for your live calls and questions. Let's talk to W.C. on line two from San Antonio. W.C., thank you for calling. You're on the air.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Pastor Alvaro. I listen to your radio show uh, periodically. I'm not totally dedicated to listening to it, but I hear it quite often, and I'm really in what you and your wife uh, have to say a lot of times. Um Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
2: And so, uh, basically, what I'm calling about is that I don't know what your format is for your show today, but I have been um, look, searching for a job like since uh, last July. The COVID nineteen has um, canceled a lot of elective surgeries, and I am a I'm like a medical device uh, rep. And mm. gosh, I've been having such a challenge getting back in the field, and it's almost like um, you know I I go through so many interviews over and over, and I'm like I'm, I'm like praying on my knees, and um, I'm very emotional, you know, when I pray the Lord, and uh, you know I'm I'm standing on holy ground. I, I love the song Waymaker by uh, <laughs> Miss Larson's. You know, do you know yeah. her?
1: Yeah, I don't know uh, her, but anyway, we know that we sing that song here at Calvary Chapel.
2: Oh, my goodness. So, you know, that song gets me so emotional. And it's like, I wonder, oh, my God, is this my soul? Or is this my spirit? And I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm like going crazy. And then I start praying for people and other needs. And I, I just kind of this this job his, uh this job seeking has been such a great challenge and I'm like going well Lord I don't want to get in your way I want to yield to you and uh, but I mean there's some necessity to having a job that I'm kind of getting to the end of my rope and I'm going well you know that's when the Lord steps in. <laughs> mm-hmm why is that? that? You know, it's like, oh, it's God, you're in your rope, and oh, you know, march seven times around Jericho and shout, and it's like, Lord, I don't understand, but I know that, you know, he is a way maker, promise keeper, and I keep hanging on to that. In the meantime, my uh, my family, my sister's going through trouble, my mom, she's 92 years old, she's the oldest person I know on earth and she she's even kind of scowling and you know she's a Christian lady and it's like, oh my gosh, it's an attack, and I'm like going there's got to be a pony in there somewhere <laughs> You know that story.
1: <laughs> I do. I do. WC. I'm. I'm laughing. Not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you because uh, um, right. our our hearts are so intertwined. I tell the church here all the time that God is never ever late, and then I say, but He's hardly ever early either. And um, um, you know, we we know that we go through these things because He's. Yeah. He's, he's testing us. I mean, these are the times when our faith is proven genuine. Now, nobody likes to be tested. So I'm not mm-hmm. being naive here. Uh, I'm not asking for uh, uh, people to understand, "Oh yeah, praise God for these mm-hmm. trials. They're hard. Mm-hmm. But it's in these mm-hmm. trials when we grow the most. It's in these trials when Jesus reveals himself to us. And uh, mm-hmm. WC, you see, I think in, in um, uh, the value of trials, Paul calls it, sharing in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. Those are the times yeah. when we're holding on to him so tight. It's for dear life because we know we need him. And unfortunately, especially in in the United States, we Christians get so Mm -hmm. comfortable. And in those comfortable Mm -hmm. times, you know, we don't find that holy ground and we don't cry out to God and we don't sing praises Mm -hmm. to him. So um, um, God is with you. You know that. Uh, he, yeah. You know that he loves you. You know that he's proven faithful in the past. And there is yeah. a time coming when you will understand uh, the benefits of this time of, of need or this time of suffering. And you'll look back yeah. and, and what you'll realize is the same thing I've realized dozens of times in my 30 years with yeah. the Lord, that I'm closer to him. I love him more now than ever before. And so all he would ask you to do, WC, is to trust him and hold on. I'll be praying okay. for you. And, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're using your time off of work productively. You're yeah. praying for other people. Uh, you're, you're, you, you realize we're living in the last days. And believe me, the spiritual yeah. warfare has been ratcheted up. One other thing I'd like yeah. to comment with your, with your. Uh-huh. you said your grandma or your mom was 92?
2: Oh, my mom is 90, 92. Okay. Okay,
1: 92. Mas- yeah. Masuda so,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, and she's you know, in
2: great shape. She's in great yeah. condition. And, but sometimes she drives, she can't hear very well. She's losing her hearing, bless her heart. And, oh my God, she can be such a sour apple. Uh, sometimes I go and I'll do her yard, you know, and she has Good all these you. questions. And it's like, oh my God, all these questions but she can't hear the answers. <laughs> yeah. It's just you like, know, just, oh,
1: just, my God. WC, it's really hard to get old. I'm 70, and, and, and you just describe yeah. me when you're talking about her. But but yeah. the, the idea is just remind her that God is good, that he loves her, and that he's always there with her. And And you be an example to her. And oh. and uh, God will use you to be a source of encouragement for her. Can I pray for you, WC?
2: Oh, absolutely,
1: yes. Sir. Okay, I- I'm going to do that. We've got some people in the same business as you are, and oh, I'm going to okay. ask them to start praying for you as well. So, Father, I yeah. lift WC to you in this time of need, uh, going on interviews and not finding jobs. It's just uh, we're victims of what COVID has done to some of these industries. So, Jesus, I pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon W.C. as never before, that you would fill his heart with joy, even in this time of need. I pray, Lord, that you would lead him, guide him, and direct his steps. And in the meantime, until you find, Lord, exactly where it's the place for him to be, my prayer is that you'd fill him overflowing with your presence and use him in the lives of all of these other people including his mom and, and others that he's praying for. You hear his heart, Lord. So pour out your spirit and bless him for your glory. Amen. Thank WC, you thank you very much. Yes, My pleasure. Thank thanks you, thanks for calling. God bless. See, there's lots of people like that. And WC said, said something else. He said uh, people getting short, you know, people are angry paul has said on the program here yesterday that that um we've started adding you know we pray daily for the lost the hurting the hungry the broken the needy the confused the fearful and and we we've just added the lord's direct us to add the angry because people are really angry and what we need to do and wc has been doing this uh, from from his description um we realize that in the lord's presence is the fullness of joy not in our circumstances but in his presence, is fullness of joy, and we can be a constant reminder to others of that promise. Being with Jesus is enough. It doesn't seem like it sometimes, but it's in those times when we really, really have no place to go except to trust Jesus. Appreciate the call, WC. I'll be praying for you. 3409585, Bradley asks me, uh, how is it practical for us to pray without ceasing? You know, I'll bet when people get to heaven and get introduced to the Apostle Paul, I bet they ask him that all the time, what do you mean, pray without ceasing? I can't pray 24-7. But Bradley, the idea there is to always be in the presence of the Lord. That's what relationship does. I mean, if you were with uh, a husband or a wife or a best friend, um, uh, it would be rude if you hung out all day with him and didn't say anything. So the idea is we can pray without ceasing by being in his presence, by carrying on a conversation with him all day long. That's what I try to do. I always think about the Apostle Paul in, in his travels through the book of Acts. Um, it's an amazing thing. He, it's Unlike us, we get on an airplane two hours later or someplace. Uh, they had to go on horseback or they had to go in caravan. And uh, it took them a long time to get anywhere. And Paul used that time to talk to Jesus. That's praying without ceasing. It's not being on your knees or being in a prayer closet 24-7. But it's always have the lines of communication open. And when you're walking with Jesus, Bradley, when you're when you're talking to him and when you're listening for his leading, uh, the leading of his spirit, um, then you're actually in conversation with the Lord. And the more you talk with him and listen to him, the, the more easily you're reminded of his presence. I've gotten to that point in my walk where if I. I'll go an hour two hours and, and maybe I've been busy, my mind's been on something else and haven't thought about the Lord. And I'll have to shake myself and say, wait a minute, Lord, I I for two hours I haven't said a word to you. I'm so sorry. I want to hear from you. And, and I want to make my request known to you because my heart is grateful. So uh, I keep remembering to jump back into his presence and I do that by initiating conversation. And he's always there. You know, sometimes we Christians, we think, oh, he's too busy for my needs. No, he's not. He's God. And he loves you. And so we pray without ceasing, Bradley, by always being in prayer. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't times when we have prayer like Bradley was just describing, or I'm sorry, like WC was just describing in the in the previous phone call. There's times when we just get into a place and we cry out to God and we, we just unload our heart. Um, we, that kind of prayer as well. We intercede on others behalf so there's all kinds of prayer but the whole point here is that we should be praying always and continually by the way that's in the present active tense in Greek so it's to to pray without ceasing continually is what it says and so what we've got to do is remember that he's always there and his ear is always inclined to us and so we pray a lot of times it's just conversation how you doing, Lord? Lord, having a bad day. Lord, having a great day. Thank you. Seeing people hurting. Jesus, look at that person. Please bless them. Please touch them. If you'll do that, there's going to be times when you talk to people. And he's going to lead you over to talk to them about who he is. It's a great life, hanging out with Jesus, Bradley. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in our week, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand on for life. We'll be back in two minutes.
0: back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630 KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arball.
1: Welcome back to the second half of the program. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Chad. Since we are saved by grace and not works, why is repentance included in order to be saved? Chad, I think you know the answer to that question. My goodness. Um, uh, Repentance is not a work. Repentance is recognizing that we have to come to a holy God on his terms and not on our own. I mean, grace is a gift. That's what the word means. The Greek word is charis. It's the same word used to describe spiritual gifts. And so uh, if we're saved by a gift, um, then we've got to receive that gift. And, And we can't, if we're unwilling to repent, Chad, we can't even receive the gift. We don't recognize it's a gift. I tell people all the time that you've got to recognize that you need to be saved in order to get saved. And the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus said, when he comes, when the Spirit of God comes, he will convict the world of sin And of righteousness and judgment. Now think about those three things. Of sin, Chad, you know you're doing things that are wrong. And for a long time, they probably didn't bother your conscience at all. But one day, suddenly, you knew, hey, that's not right. I shouldn't be doing that. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you, convincing you, literally, that you are a sinner. Of righteousness, he convinces us that there is a source of righteousness available. I don't know about you, Chad, but when I got saved, I thought my life was so messed up. God could never love me. He could never forgive me, even if he could forgive everybody else in the world. But the Holy Spirit convinced me that Jesus was a source of righteousness. I could exchange my sin for his righteousness. And then of judgment, I knew that if I didn't get right with God, I was going to be judged and spend forever in hell. I knew that. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know anything about Jesus, but I knew those things. So all I had to do, uh, and in my case, I fell down on a public street in Upland, up in California in 1991, and, and all I had to do was reach up and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And the gift was mine. That wasn't a work. It wasn't anything that I've done. It was just a choice. And I knew beyond any doubt, Chad, I knew that that was my last opportunity. You know, I was obese and I was under all kinds of pressure, self-induced pressure. But but I, I, I don't know whether I was going to die physically or lose my mind, have a mental breakdown. I don't know. But I knew that this was Jesus' hand reaching out to me and it was the last time. So it was choose to live or to die and I chose of course to live so it wasn't a work I did nothing except say yes to an offer a gift has to be received in order in order for it to be effective and that's what repentance is and Chad if you don't think you need repentance then you've got a whole bunch of other issues so that's why repentance is included? John the Baptist, the first word of his, his message about Jesus' coming was repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is near. Imagine what it was like for John the Baptist when the kingdom of God appeared before him and he knew that the kingdom was here. Not near, but here. And he got busy baptizing even more baptism of repentance. So we have to be repentant That means we've got to be willing to turn around in life. It's just a change of directions. The Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus. He was persecuting even unto death in prison Christians, going 100 miles an hour. He met Jesus. It's like Jesus picked him up, turned him around, his legs never stopped moving, set him on the ground, and then he was going the opposite direction, chasing after Jesus for the rest of his life. So it's not a work. Be careful, Chad, because you may be listening to some Calvinist uh, teachings that are saying, you know, um, repentance is a work or believing is a work. Uh, You know, the Calvinists would say that you can't really be saved until you already are saved. And, And, of course, that makes no sense and discounts the work of the Holy Spirit. So, Chad, I hope that makes sense to you. Brian says, Hank Hanegraaff converted to Orthodox, but some say he lost his salvation. Is Orthodox theology wrong or right? Uh, Brian, Orthodox theology has a whole lot of difficulties. Doctrinally, um, Orthodox uh, Christians, Orthodox churches deny um, the, um, the, the sacrificial atonement uh, or the, the, the Jesus had it take the sins of the world on himself and, and accept the judgment of God, take the wrath of God upon himself. Orthodox, uh, many would say that, well, God's not angry, he doesn't have wrath, but of course he does. Um, that, to me, is the most problematic Orthodox doctrine. Uh, here's what I can say about Hank Hanegraaff, and here's what I can say about all Orthodox believers. If they are born again, and no doubt there are some born-again believers in the Orthodox Church... Then they're saved, um, but the doctrine has all kinds of problems. The Orthodox people, they, they, um, um, I would say, we would say, they worship icons and images. They would say, no, we venerate them. They're very similar to the Catholic Church in that that um, um, direction. Um, um, I, there's just all kinds of problems with ordo- Orthodox theology, and. Um, um, with regard to Hank, I don't know. Hank is a sad situation for me, personally, because the Lord used him um, so powerfully in my life uh, as a brand-new believer. I I was led as a brand-new believer into um, um, prosperity theology. Uh, I, I hesitate to even call it theology, but but just the false teaching of, of the health and wealth gospel. And um, uh, I would listen to the Bible Answer Man in california uh, i'd go have my lunch every day i'd go study in the library and then go out at the time his program came on came on three o'clock in the afternoon in california and so i'd go out and that's when i'd have my lunch and then i'd eat lunch for that hour and then go back in the library and, and study until later that evening and i did it five days a week and um 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 Hank really was used by the Lord to open my eyes, to to lead me out of prosperity theology, and sort of open the Bible to me. And uh, I, I thought Hank was he. Hank actually was a Calvary Chapel guy when when I got saved. He he went to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, called Chuck Smith his 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 pastor. Chuck was our founding pastor. Uh, he spoke in Calvary Chapel churches. Um... um But, but, you know, I don't know what's happened to him. I mean, he got goofy with the the whole um, there's no rapture doctrine. Um, Just, he's not the same man. So, um, if he was ever saved, and I believe he was, he is. Um, But his theology now is very, very wrong. And, in fact, he has disowned much of the things that he believed and taught very forcefully on um, for decades before his his conversion to Orthodox Christianity. Um, he's, he's distanced himself from those things. I, I, I believed them, but I was wrong and here's why uh, I'll, I'll just give one example that I heard. I had, I got so frustrated I'd turn off the radio, but he was talking about and this is not too recently. I mean not too far along uh, too long ago. Pretty recently, he was talking about uh, Mary being a perpetual virgin. Now I've heard Hank teach with my own ears in a building I was in uh, about um, uh, Mary not being a virgin and having other children, and her and Joseph having normal sexual relationships. I mean, I heard him with my own ears making very persuasive arguments. And I mean, obviously he was teaching the Bible, and now. Uh, he's taken a completely different position because that's what the Orthodox Church teaches. And and he has no logic to back it up. So I can tell you that uh, I believe Hank is probably saved. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven whose doctrine got messed up or whose doctrine was just plain wrong. God knows their hearts. We don't. Uh, But Orthodox theology is, is really problematic, Brian. That's really all I can say because only God knows the human heart here i a qu- <laughs> I'm laughing I'm sorry Tiffany this is from Tiffany she asks Pastor what does it mean to practice long suffering um, I laugh Tiffany because it, it means to suffer for a long time it means to trust God in the middle of long suffering it, it, that word is translated patience um, in, in some newer translations it's the Greek word hupomone And it means to suffer under pressure, uh, doing it for the glory of God, even though there's a way out, a way to escape from the suffering. So long-suffering means literally to suffer for a long time, but maintaining your faith in the process. Trusting God, despite your circumstances, if if you can do that. uh, CW's call uh, a little bit earlier. W.C.'s WC's call, I mean, um, in the things that he's going through, he's chosen to continue to trust the Lord. That's practicing long suffering. It's it's not to turn your back on God just because things are hard, or just because um, things aren't going your way. Uh, they maybe turned out the way you a way you didn't expect them to turn out. Um, you just say, "I'm going to trust you." I'm going to trust you. In good times and in bad times, I'm going to trust you. So, Tiffany, that's what it means um, to, to suffer for a very long time. Um, patience, long-suffering, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the only way we can we can successfully endure is being empowered by the Spirit. Here is let me give you phone number again three four zero ninety five eighty five We'd love your calls. Anonymous says my wife no longer wants to hear me tell her about Jesus. If she dies, will she go to hell? And if I stop sharing her with her, will it be my fault? Um, Anybody who goes to hell, anonymous, it's not your fault. Uh, You've been telling her about Jesus for a very long time. Obviously, she doesn't want to hear it anymore. Um, She's made a choice. Um, but that doesn't mean that you stop telling her. I can't stress that enough if somebody told me and I've had people tell me, don't pray for me, I don't want you to pray for me and you can't tell me what to do. God tells me to pray for you because he loves you, so I'm gonna keep telling you about Jesus and in this case it's it's a wife um, just tell her I'll never stop sharing Jesus with you because I love you and I can't imagine heaven without you. Don't get angry. Don't let it provoke an argument, but just let her know that the woman who is the love of your life is not going to be with you in eternity. And so be like Peter and John, the others. As, as for us, we cannot stop talking about this man and just tell her. So if you don't want to hear me, then don't be around me, but every time you're around me, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. He loves you. He died for your sins. The older you get, the more important it is. Just keep sharing the goodness of God. We do another song. WC was talking about the song, and and I laughed at it, Um, um, Waymaker. But we do another song uh, that we did just last Friday, I think. It was God's Goodness Keeps Running After Me was the chorus in it. And I love that picture. And just tell her, you know... God's got me in your in your home. He's got me in your life. And I'm going to keep telling you about Jesus because His goodness is running after you. Be an instrument that God can use. It will be her fault and her fault alone if she dies without Jesus. But uh, And it will be sad for you. But she has to make the choice and God's going to honor the choice she makes in life and death. Here is a question from a 16 year old girl. She says, Is kissing your boyfriend a sin? What would your parents say if you asked them that question? Now here's the sin. If your parents, if you ask your parents, can I kiss my boyfriend? And they say no, you live in their house, you're to honor your parents and be obedient to them. So that means kissing your boyfriend is a sin. Now, having said that, there's nothing inherently sinful about kissing. It's dangerous. It can inflame passions and, and um, uh, awaken desire before it's time, before you're able to handle it physically and emotionally. Um, but but no, it's not inherently a sin. Um, you know, we've had all kinds of kids grow up here at our church, and I've watched and... Um, most because it's a church environment you know they kind of walk together and they're not touching or holding hands and you know they're just protecting themselves Uh, hormones and temptations are are really tough to deal with um but you know when you've crossed a line and so be really really careful this is something uh, young lady that you should really talk to your mom and dad about um you know, it's not one of those all the kids are doing it kind of things because all the kids are doing a lot of other things. But, but trust your parents. God will use them to minister to you. And clearly you're a believer because you asked this question. So what I want you to do is just trust God with the answer. If it's dangerous for you, um, if you get tempted, um, yeah, then you're in a place that you needn't be. I hope that makes sense to you. Thank you for the question. Appreciate your courage in asking it. Let's go to Pete on line one from San Antonio. Pete, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
2: Hello, Pastor Ron. Uh, hi, Pete. Real quick. Hi, hi. Uh, real quick. Um, just wanted to know, you know, about favor. You know, you hear a lot in Pentecostal circles talking about anointing and favor, and uh, and I just wanted to get your take on the favor of the Lord. You know, Proverbs sixteen fifteen says something like uh, the favor, the king's the king's wrath is like a warrant. A roaring lion but the favor of the lord is like the dew upon the grass and uh but then i hear some people kind of interchange it with anointing and how do you apply that to how do you define it and how do you apply it to one's life one's calling and one's mission i guess is the the question i'm looking for
1: Great, great question, Pete. Thank you very, very much. Uh, favor and anointing are two separate things, and I think in in charismatic or Pentecostal churches they get it all mixed up. But they got a lot of stuff that's mixed up. Now, again, I say right. that as a charismatic church, but but um, you know, usually when they're talking about the anointing, it's it's well, God's favor rests upon me. I'm the anointed one, and that's to miss the point. God's favor, Pete, is simply. Uh, walking in the presence of Jesus and enjoying the doors that He opens, enjoying the the relationship that you have, God's favor rest can rest upon every single believer. We're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon us in power as well, and His favor is something that God delights to do. You know, so often, Pete, we treat God like He's an angry God and He's, if I don't do this and I don't do that He's going to be mad at me and that's not true because we already live under His favor God loves us He's thrilled to hang out with us He wants to bless us those things are true and um, what we need to do is just remember that to walk in the presence of the Lord to walk in the righteousness of Christ ensures that we're going to walk in His favor So the anointing, whatever you want to call it, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to all. His favor rests. I've shared with our church here many, many times how the favor of God just follows us around. Uh, Paul and I, when we were here uh, as a a brand new starting a church and Pete, we had no money at all, no money at all and and, uh, nothing to eat, sometimes for days. Um... Uh, we'd go places and 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 we'd find favor. Uh, I, I, there was a Luby's restaurant at Rolling Oaks Mall when we moved here, and uh, turns out the guy that, who was the, the manager of the, the the restaurant turned out to be a good friend, and um, and we'd just talk, and I'd never tell him there was anything wrong, but but he'd just bring out food when you know we we'd go in there and buy one plate, and 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 he'd just bring out food. And uh, say, you know what? Would you test this? Would you try that? Just favor. We've 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 been in difficult situations, and 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 the, God opened doors of favor. So I call it also Pete walking under the spout where the glory comes out. That's when you're walking with Jesus, when you're in fellowship with the Lord. There's going to be favor everywhere, and it has nothing to do with the anointing um, that that these charismatic or Pentecostal churches are talking about at all. Pete, thank you. Hope that makes sense to you. Having the favor of God and recognizing every day is, I think, the single biggest source of gratitude that we can find. And when your heart is grateful, Pete, you cannot miss, you cannot miss out on enjoying the favor of God. Let's go to line two and talk with Cindy from San Antonio. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
2: Hi, Pastor Ron. I know we're kind of running out of time. Um, I'm curious, and I'm confused about Paul. Why was Paul considered a Roman citizen when the Jews hated, the Rome, hated Rome and didn't want them, to have anything to do with them? So I don't know how much I've got this tangled up, but I'm sure you'll, you'll get it straight for me. I'm going to get off the phone real quick so you can answer. Bye.
1: Thank you, Cindy. Uh, Roman citizenship was, was pretty simple to figure out. Um, remember, Rome, uh, Rome controlled the world. At the time, the Apostle Paul lived. And there were only two ways to, uh, to become a Roman citizen. If you were not, not a Roman citizen by birth, there were only two ways. Uh, one would be to be born into a, a family of Roman citizens. The other would be to buy or to bribe your way. They were very expensive. And there were a lot of Roman rulers who, who uh, took the money. You know, It was just, I'll grant you Roman citizenship. Um, just you pay me under the table. Um, uh Felix was hoping they'd be bribed by the Apostle Paul. Um, but Paul was born into a, a, a family. His father was a Roman citizen. That means he was a Roman citizen. So those were the only two ways to be born into one. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or not. Um, his father was a, 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 a Roman citizen, and he inherited that Roman citizenship. So those are the only ways. And Paul used that card a couple of times it's really important to advance the cause of the gospel. Good question, Cindy. Let's go to Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Jimmy, you there?
2: Yes. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you now.
2: Okay. Last night I was talking to my wife and I was asking her a question and I asked her, um, "You know, I, you know what I worry about?" And then I know supposed to worry. But I said, I worried that I didn't plan life right for my retirement. And she turned around and told me, I'm not worried about it. Because God, God took care of my mom, and my mom didn't have a career. Her career was to raise her children. And God took care of your grandmother, and she raised she six children. She didn't have a 401k or nothing like that. I said, yeah, but I'm having trouble getting my Navy retirement. But I know what she was trying to tell me. She said, don't worry. Trust in
1: God. (laughs) I'm laughing with you, Jimmy, because, you know, sometimes out of the uh, surprising mouth, these great statements of faith. She was just saying what Jesus said over and over. God's got this. You know, I I was talking to a man today, another pastor. You know, he's asking, what do I do? When I'm not a pastor anymore, my identity has been tied up for all these decades of being a pastor. And as I'm coming to the end, I, I'm having all this anxiety. And my, uh, my, my response was, um, the, the God that cared for you in the pastorate is the God who will care for you after the pastorate. And, and you know, Jimmy, you know me, I'm 70 years old. And uh, these are thoughts that the devil tries to bring all the time. You know, you could be making money. You didn't do this or you didn't do that. But, but God has served us so faithfully for so long. And there just doesn't seem to be um, anything that's beyond his ability to care uh, for us. And I think that's just one of those things. The way to deal with it. Remember, these are attacks from the enemy. The way to deal with it is to just be with Jesus. When you're with okay. him, um, you're, you're not going to be plagued by those thoughts. When you're with him, you're, you're going to realize that he's, he's got a really good track record of taking care of you, even when you weren't easy to take care of. And that's the God who's got you. That's the God who's got you. I know a lot of friends, Jimmy, who as they got older, they, they, they walked away from a church because they believed God was leading them, and they had no source of income, no retirement or anything else. And yet, now for 10, 15 years, God has been caring for them marvelously, and their life turns into an adventure. So listen to your wife. Listen to Jesus. Just don't worry. Amen. Okay?
2: I know. Yeah, I Good know. to see you this Bye. morning, by the way. Oh, thank you.
1: Thank I'll you, Jimmy. You God. You. <laughs> oh, good. Good. God bless. Well, we are now inside a minute, so I don't have time to go to any other questions. Let me say that um, um, this weekend, as you get ready for church, offer yourself to the Lord. Ask Him, Lord, what about me and what about today? Ask Him to, to set you up with some divine appointments. If you're usable, believe me he will use you all you have to do is be available to him hey been a good week on the program thanks for tuning in you've been listening to the word to stand up for life I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio Texas may the Lord bless you and keep you wrap your arms around him and hold on tight God bless you Lord willing I'll be back on Monday on AM 630 the word we'll see you then